Moto America fans, it's time for another episode of Off Track with Carruthers and Bice. You'll laugh, you'll cry, and you may even learn something from this unlikely pair and their special guest. The mic is yours, Paul and Sean. Well, hello there. This is uh, Paul Carruthers. I'm the communications manager for Moto America, the home of the AMA Superbike Series, and much more. Uh, I'm joined today, as always, by Sean Bice on our podcast, which is weekly and called Off Track. Uh, we discuss everything from, uh, well, we discuss everything Moto America and sometimes a little bit more. Uh, today, we're going it alone, Sean, just you and me. I didn't want to have anybody on here. I just wanted to have a conversation with you. No guest. I wanted to see what's going on in the life of Sean Bice. Yeah, I mean, I, I if I had a pillow and you had a pillow, we could call it pillow talk, but that might be a little too personal. I don't know. Um, uh, good to talk to you again, Paul. Um, I'm pretty excited. I, every day, every day that goes by is another day closer to the season, and you know, seems like there's news coming out uh, all the time for us, and it it really seems to be pointing to uh, what's going to be a great season for us for a lot of reasons, which we can talk about in this podcast, but. Um, it was nice to see that uh, that somewhat um, cryptic press release or story the other day that you did about uh, Celtic uh, HSBK Racing. Um, maybe you can talk about that, and we'll have a conversation about that too. Yeah, it was. Uh, you know, again, back to what you were saying a little a minute ago. But it's nice now we're finally getting some teams that are that you know not getting their act together, but, you know, things come together a bit late, especially when you're trying something new as a lot of these teams are. Um, but yeah, we're, we're, we're starting to get some announcements and it just builds some excitement. I mean, uh, I'm, I'm ready to go and I'm, I'm really anxious to see, you know, where all the pieces fall into place. Um, the Celtic HSBK thing, as you said, it was, it, uh, it kind of leaves you with more, uh, questions than answers, but, um, I think that's kind of their plan there is, you know, I talked to them and it sounds like they're, they're going to be doing a, you know, I don't know if, it, if it's one a week or whatever, but they're going to have their announcements kind of spaced out a little bit, which I guess builds some, uh, builds some excitement. Um, I'd like to know exactly what's going on at the time because it's kind of frustrating for me, but I kind of, I, I kind of have some ideas, but you know, I could easily be wrong, but um, yeah, we should know shortly exactly what their plans are. Obviously that first release um, talked about the fact that they're going to be using Ducati's which, uh, which would lead you to believe that uh, they're going to be in, in the Superbike class and or Stock 1000. Um, I think their relationship with PJ Jacobson would lead me to believe that he would be one of the two riders. Um, and then you see, uh, you see um, Brandon Pash, you know, sitting on a, on a Ducati on social media and we, you know, we know he tested a, a 600 form in the off season. So it kind of leads you to believe that he would be the second rider. But then again, it, you know, you don't know anymore. I mean, some of these riders just like to mess with us, especially, <laughs> especially, Josh, especially Josh Heron, you know, um, he takes any advantage he can to, to, to hop on into a conversation and insert himself and, and make people wonder still what he's up to. Um, so yeah, it's all kind of fun. It's funny with with Josh Heron, uh, you know, every whenever we do a social media post that's related to Superbike, and certainly it was the case with this announcement with uh, Celtic HSBK, 
Um, he chimes in and says, hey, what do you guys think about me riding on a Ducati? So he did it with our mini cup about Ovali and he's kind of done it with this. And it's kind of funny. It's certainly given him a chance to, you know, have a lot of social media presence, which he already has anyway, but build his fan base, which is a big one we know. Um, you know, it's it, we almost need a scorecard a little bit at this point. And I've been thinking, you know, it's it's somewhat musical chairs a little bit, but not necessarily. So I, I kind of want to talk about, for instance, last year's Yamaha factory team, which is this year's attack Yamaha team. They had two riders before. They have two riders now. Yoshimura Suzuki had two riders before. Uh, Hammer Suzuki right now has one rider with the expectation that they're going to probably have another rider. So those th those two things kind of count. You know, that's sort of a wash. Um, Hammer last year had a single superbike rider in uh, Jake Lewis. Question is whether he's going to be the second guy or, you know, what, what's going to happen with him. But um, so that's sort of an unknown at this point. So J.D. Beach was on um, an attack uh, Yamaha last year. He's not in our series this year, unfortunately. But it sounds like we're going to have a Celtic HSBK rider in Superbike that we didn't have last year. Um, presumably, if it's the rider that they had last year racing in Supersport, then that's a new addition to our our paddock and a new rider. So, and th and that doesn't count some of the teams like Shibe, uh Shibe Racing, who he has said um, that he's considering the possibility of a couple of riders. Um, certainly going to have one to replace Jake Gagne. So, I mean, this musical chairs idea, it, I don't know. There may be, there may be a rider left out. I still don't know. It's pr fairly early, but so far as I'm keeping track of it, everything seems to be pretty much a lot. Of, well, I shouldn't say the same, everything, there are huge changes in the paddock, but in terms of number of riders on the grid, it seems like it's going to be the same, if not more. Do you, do you get that sense too, Paul? Yeah, I think it's going to be more than last year. I think when things all settle down, um, you're going to see some of the stock 1000 guys um, making the move to Superbike or, you know, uh, racing in both. Um, so I I think at the end of the day, I mean, we're going to have to wait here and, and entries start to close um, at the end of the month. So I think we're really, you know, at that point, people are going to have to make their commitments and, and kind of uh, tell us what's going on. But I think it's. Uh, I think it'll definitely. We will have more people on the grid in Superbike this year than we did last year. So, it's a good thing. Um, you know, I think. You know, there's a lot of things that throw people for a loop, and and you know the Yamaha announcement with Attack, and then Suzuki's announcement with Team Hammer. It just kind of, you know, people tend to not hit the panic button, but kind of hit the panic button. Um, you know, it's like, oh, Yoshi's out, Suzuki's out, Yamaha's out. It's like, you know, when. When the when the dust clears and you see actually what's there, it's uh, it's not a lot different than what it was. Yeah, Yoshimura is out, but uh, but Team Hammer's taken over. So um, I always think of things. I try to think of things positively, and 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 I'm thinking, you know, uh, how fortunate we are that just Suzuki didn't decide. Okay, we're not going to race. So uh, and you know, there's other ways to look at that too. It's like. Um, you know, Yoshimura was a powerhouse team, no doubt about it. I mean, basically, you know, Moto's GP World Superbike level crew uh, organization from top to bottom, um, a full racing company. Um, and I'm not saying that Team Hammer is not the same because I think they will do a, a wonderful job with it. 
But if you're somebody that's competing against them, for example, in Superbike, you might think, okay, you know, maybe things will be a little more even or, you know, maybe, you know, I've got a better shot. And I think, you know, and I think that goes a long way with, with these teams opting to do things the way that they are. I think it does give some other smaller teams a little more hope as far as, you know, moving closer to the front. Um, so I see that as a good thing. Yeah, you know, a couple things with that. I was going to say uh, the renewed hope that I have is kind of brought about by, you know, we talked to some of the teams along the way and, you know, uh, just talking, for instance, I'll mention Steve Shibe. I don't think this is saying anything out of school at all with him, having conversations with him um, about his team in general. Um, he's kind of felt like maybe the playing field's a little more level now. He feels like, if, you know, he's spent a couple years, few years in the paddock now developing that BMW. And if he continues with that iteration of the bike, it's high, it's very developed right now. It's known to be very fast. Um, he feels like maybe it brings the uh, the teams back to the rest of them a little bit. That maybe have played a, a factor in Celtic HSBK getting involved. But it seems like there's a renewed spirit and a hope within the paddock among some of the other riders that you know they might they feel like getting they're they can catch up. They can get get closer or even surpass the the teams. I know Westby's the same way, you know, they feel like now it's kind of now or never this year. Um, and another thing I want to say about with Westby, we, uh, yesterday we ran that throwback Thursday photo of Ben Bostrom leading um, Matt Maladden and into turn three at Loudon. And uh, I, I happened to notice and remembered, and I know you recall this too, Paul. So Ben was wearing a Yoshimura uh, patch on his leathers and he was riding a honda rc45 and it's kind of like with westby racing westby racing races a yamaha but they use a yoshimura pipe so so ben on a honda with a yoshimura pipe was leading the yoshimura suzuki rider of matt maladin at the time and it got me to thinking about now that supercross season has started yoshimura has that honda effort that they do in supercross so it makes me sort of wonder if not this year, maybe down the road, you wonder they've got the infrastructure and the relationship with Honda. You kind of wonder if they might become Yoshimura Honda. And they were that at one time way back in the beginning when they, you know, they had Yoshimura, they had Kawasaki for a while. You know, you wonder if they may return to the paddock again, if not this year, then maybe down the road because they're, they're still in the business of selling exhaust systems and they certainly have a rich history of racing. So, um, you know, there's, there's still a place for, for Yoshimura to be involved in our, our paddock. Uh, would you agree? Oh yeah, hundred percent. I mean, that's one of the first things I thought of is, you know, with, with Yoshimura and, and not returning to the Suzuki fold, it's like, okay, here's this shop. Uh, it, there's, there's guys there or used to be there or guys that could be there again, that 100% know exactly what they're doing and how to go about the business of racing superbikes. So if you're somebody like Honda, for example, and you don't necessarily want to bring that in-house, but you'd still like to go racing with your new superbike, um, I don't know. If I was calling the shots at Honda, I'd be like, okay, let's just call these guys and have them do it from top to bottom because we know it's going to be done well and they'll showcase our product well. So I could, I could, I could totally see that happening in 2021 you know that might be wishful thinking on my part because i'd love to see uh obviously both of those people back in our paddock those people being honda and yoshimura uh i think together they would be 
I think it would be awesome. So, you know, my fingers are crossed that something like that could happen. Um, and you know, there's, there's always plenty of good riders around and you could see some, some riders, uh, you know, moving teams and this and that. I remember back in the day, I mean, Honda was just known for more so in motocross than anything. It's like, oh, th this is the young hot guy or, or whatever. And they would just basically go steal that guy. So it'd be kind of cool to have some of that, um, changing seats and, and things like that going on. And obviously it would be beneficial to the series and, and everybody involved to have somebody like Honda back in as, as well as Yoshimura. So I think it'd be a match made in heaven, but you know, that's just me. Yeah. Another one that is interesting too is, uh, and, and I, I called him about this a few weeks ago, Freddie Carswell, who runs Superbike Unlimited out of North Carolina. He's an aftermarket company and they build engines and, you know, they've, they've had some involvement in some teams. Corey Heflin raced a, an R1 last year, and I think he's racing an R1 again this year um, in Stock 1000 that's built by Superbike Unlimited. And Freddie had kind of teased out the fact that he was building a Kawasaki Superbike. So, I mean, I got in touch with him and thought, well, who's your rider? And um, he wasn't ready to divulge that yet, uh, but he was sort of, I don't know whether he was kind of, you know, uh, polling the room, so to speak. But it sounds like he's pretty interested or at least wants to try to be involved in Superbike and on a Kawasaki. And then, you know, we have the contingency press release that came out where, you know, Kawasaki's still providing quite a bit of support for the riders in, in our entire series, all five of our classes, but certainly in, in Superbike. And they've always been strong in that. So, you know, maybe, maybe again, this is the year that, you know, maybe there's going to be some Kawasaki involvement in Superbike with some of the other teams uh, remains to be seen, but it just it just feels like you know some of the other manufacturers are not manufacturers. Some of the other teams are saying, "Hey, maybe I could get involved in this now because you know it's not quote factory, even though for the most part there's still very much factory involvement in Superbike." So um, I'm just I just can't wait to see. So that you you mentioned something earlier that I didn't actually know. Um, you're saying, so the entries have to be done by the end of, is it the end of January that the entries have to be all in? Yeah. January 31st, at least, you okay. know, for, for the premier teams, like see the season entries. Um, yeah, it's the, the Kawasaki thing is interesting. Um, they, they, they obviously put a lot of money on the, on the table. Um, and especially in the superbike class. Now it's easy to say, okay, they're putting that money up because no one's going to collect it because at this point in time, you know, I think, um, David Anthony is the only Kawasaki rider, but that's not necessarily what it could end up being. I mean, if, if you were starting, if you wanted to start a superbike team today, um, and you didn't have any alliance with, with a particular manufacturer, I think it would be. I think it would be a fairly easy move to get yourself some Kawasaki's and chase that contingency money, which is, which is very high. I mean, it's, it's $15,000, uh, of contingency money to win a, a superbike race on a Kawasaki. So you can't tell me that there's not teams out there, um, that could grab onto that bike and, and do what they needed to do to, uh, to be competitive. It's not like it's, it's, it's not like it's, it's a motorcycle that's not capable of winning. I mean, it's, it's the world superbike champion motorcycle. So, uh, exactly. I, I think there's, <laughs> there's huge opportunity for somebody to, to start taking some of that money. I just, 
I don't know what I don't know what holds people up as far as um, you know making those decisions. Obviously, it's not cheap to just go superbike racing, um, but I definitely don't think it's as expensive as most people make it out to be. So, um, yeah, I, I'd I'd go ride a Kawasaki in a heartbeat if I could take a chance at uh, at winning some of that money. Yeah, and I mean, you know, you think about uh, you mentioned Aussie Dave, um, David Anthony, when we had him on the podcast recently, and he was talking about he was sort of intimating a little bit that you know he's he's still interested in being on the bike but he's starting to near the end of that point and he's looking possibly to put somebody else on the bike so he almost was kind of sending out an invitation if not for this year then maybe to talk to somebody down the road about you know to to fill his shoes and have him just be a team owner but um you know he's had a he's had a great presence with Kawasaki and and uh you know really really kind of showed that brand really well over the past few years and um you know i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna throw it out there i'm gonna i'm gonna say it paul uh we talked to a guy last year at the beginning of the season because we didn't know what he was going to do and that was chuck graves and we were going to have him on the podcast and talk to him about his situation because he was a huge presence in the paddock he was even when he was a rider but when he formed Graves Motorsports and then got involved with Yamaha. That thing developed from a Formula Extreme team and a Supersport team into finally a Supersport team. So he had done it before. And we thought, well, okay, when the relationship ended with Yamaha, you know, he started, he showed, he, he kind of started to show bits and pieces of the fact that he was becoming aligned with Kawasaki, at least their machinery, um, their, their equipment, their motorcycles, if not the factory themselves. And I'm sure he has a relationship with them now. Um, so I just keep wondering, I mean, I know he's involved in AFM and, you know, he, he helped, uh, he helped Braden Norton in the beginning of the season last year and helped, uh, certainly helped Andrew Lee with his effort. Um, I kept thinking, you know, when, when's he going to get back involved in this? Because Chuck has always been a national, you know, an AMA level rider. And I know he loved the winning that he did and he did a lot of it. So that motorcycle is a winning motorcycle. So you know, this is a little bit of a shout out to, to Chuck Graves, if not this year, then, you know, next year. But I assume at some point he's going to get back involved in our, our series. Don't you think that would be the case? Yeah, I would hope so. Um, but again, I, I, I just, I don't understand why if that's going to happen, why it's not already happening. Because I think the timing would be exceptional right now for him to jump back in. Uh, but obviously, yeah. I mean, he knows more about his business than we do. And, you know, he plays his cards pretty close to his, his chest. I'm sure if we had him on the podcast, we, we might not even learn much from, from what his plans are because he's just a guy that, you know, doesn't necessarily talk about things until he's actually doing them. So I, I don't know. I mean, maybe I don't, know what his, I don't know what his business model is, what his business plan is. Um, and it, right. it may not include racing at any higher level than the club level. Maybe he races at the club level. He figures that's where he sells his product. And, and I don't know. I mean, I would think, I would think, uh, a company like his would benefit greatly from, from having a, a superbike team or a super sport team, um, and, and winning at the Moto America level to, to further enhance his sales. But again, I, who am I to say, I don't, I, I don't know what his plans are. Um, I'd love to have him. You know, it's funny. It's funny. Last year when we talked to him and, you know, he said, you know, I'm not ready to talk about it yet, but he said he wants it to be 
very positive towards, you know, American road racing and certainly Moto America. So he, he said he kind of left it with, you know, I've got, let me get back to you on stuff. And I thought it was going to be kind of a little bit later in the year. And admittedly, I didn't get in touch with him, but get, let, let him have his distance, so to speak. But um, I kind of wonder, you know, I, it's kind of an open invitation. Chuck, if you're listening, if any of your people are listening or if anybody that talks to Chuck is listening, anytime he wants to come on the podcast and talk about what he's doing now or later um, and planning to do would be would be perfectly fine. We'd, we'd like to talk to him. Um, but he does play things co- close to the vest, so it's sometimes a little hard to do a podcast with somebody like that who doesn't divulge a lot of information. And I respected the fact that he couldn't really tell us much, so, you know, it, it would have made it kind of a hollow podcast before. But, you know, hopefully we'll have him on at some point and it'll be good news to talk about Moto America. Um, Paul, if you if you will, I want to switch gears a little bit. One of the things that's pretty awesome about our series and is something that you know, we didn't have when we were younger and even Wayne Rainey didn't have when he was younger is the fact that we have five classes that, you know, help develop a rider from a pretty young age, 14 years old, up through with, with Junior Cup. And we're seeing it happen now with some of these riders. Alex Duma is a great example. Benjamin Smith, they've they've started out in Junior Cup and, and moved up. And, you know, I think, I don't know for sure, but I think there's a possibility Alex Duma, right? might move up to a big bike this year, whether it's stock 1000 or whatever, but he's, you know, he's a big enough kid to do that. Brandon Posh is another one that, you know, we may see on a bigger bike. He's, he's gotten a lot bigger. Um, but I want to mention the, I want to talk about the mini cup that uh, we've come out with. Uh, have you talk about it a little bit, how that works and how it kind of was born at Pittsburgh last year. And we had a, a good time with those kids. But the reason I bring it up is it's a segment of riders that's really it's obviously below junior cup for the most part and these it's a it's an it's an entree into our series it's another entree into our series i guess um and i really like the fact that it kind of competes with these other countries that the kids seem to get on scooters from such a young age well if we can get our our young people on these ovales and learn some road racing it's going to help us but can you can you talk about that a little bit how it's going to work and how it was born out of pittsburgh well, I think, you know, I think everybody enjoyed having those guys, those kids and their families at Pittsburgh. I think everybody was impressed with the show they put on. That little Ovali motorcycle is really cool. Like, it's funny because we actually got one that's all done up in, in Moto America colors and, and everything. And it's, uh, it's sitting right here in the shop and it, we haven't gotten the chance to, uh, to go ride it yet. But it's one of the things I've got planned is I actually talked to Josh Heron and I think we'll, I'll go out with him and we can do some video and stuff with him, like uh, trying to tell me how to, uh, how to not look stupid on the thing. So the, 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 cup, <laughs> the, the cup itself, I think, is really cool. I mean, uh, one of the things that I've really enjoyed about Moto America is watching, you know, these young riders progress from, from you know, their first time showing up at the races, their first time on the podium, their first wins. And to have, I mean, how cool would it be like in Stock 1000 this year if we have you know, a Brandon Pash who was a, a, a junior cup champion, um, back when it was the RC cup, um, you know, and, and Alec Dumas, Alex Dumas and racing stock 1000. I mean, those are kids that we've basically known since, since they started. Well, this junior, uh, the mini cup's going to give us even more of that. I mean, we're going to be able to see kids progress from, you know, eight, nine, 10 years old, all the way through to junior cup. And then through the ranks. So I think it's, 
I'm excited about it. I like to think I would like to think that we could get things to the point where um, you know, if you're a if you're a, an aspiring uh I wanna be world champion and you're ten, eleven, twelve years old, I I would like you to have an opportunity to hone those skills and get better in this country rather than than go to Spain or Italy or or somewhere else in Europe to uh to go race little motorcycles. So I think um having that here in our series now, I mean a a kid and their family can come to the the Moto America events of that we're holding the mini cup races at and they can have an opportunity to race in within a paddock that you know that's full of these kids as heroes and not only that but it gives them an opportunity to to show their stuff in in front of the right people so to speak it's like it's like our it's like our guys when you know when we'd go to Laguna Seca and race with World Superbike or when we go to Dakota and and race with MotoGP i mean it gives those guys a real opportunity to show who they are to the people that matter as far as it, you know going and racing internationally so I just think it's I just think it's a great opportunity for the kids and I think it's really cool for us and I'm really looking forward to uh to to seeing how that 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 pans out because I think it's going to I think it'll not only start well um with this year but I think it'll uh it'll really build into something and and we can gain some more momentum with that and it's you know we need somewhere for these kids to race when they're not old enough to go to junior cup and and for certain we want them racing with us Yeah, definitely. So, uh, it's through this, this year for this year, it's three races and I'm sure there's going to be situations where there might be riders that only compete at one event or two events. But the idea is if a rider goes and competes at all three events, there is a, is there a championship that's going to be awarded for, you know, the points leader of the three races? I don't. It, we, I don't know that that's totally been sorted out yet. But there's going to be something, and I've okay. heard that. Uh, I've heard all kinds of things, like the 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 winner will get a chance to go to uh, to Europe to race, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, we've, there has been talk that they could the winner would get a chance, an opportunity to try out for a junior cup team. So I think that's all still in the works. But I definitely think um, we're, they're going to come up with ways of of making it. Uh, of enticing these young guys to to really go for it in that series because it'll help them, you know, make the next step. Yeah, would would that they had that when we were kids though, man. I mean, I think about geez, when I first started riding around, it was on one of those lawnmower powered mini bikes, and you know, the thing was cool to ride around the yard. But those little ovales are unbelievable. They've got they've got everything going for them and. Um, I had to laugh the other day, you were talking about, you know, Brandon Posh and um, Alex Dumas, but another one that rode in Stock 1000 and did quite well last year is Ashton Yates, who started out in uh, Junior Cup. And I saw a photo of him the other day sitting on one of those Ovalis, and he may be just a little too big for that bike, but it was fun to at least see if he could try to sit on it. So, yeah, um, but there wasn't. <laughs> they're small, but. Uh... They're small and he's really tall, so that might not be a combination that works. But yeah, I mean, I mean, these kids today are so lucky with with how much you know. Like you know, think of Wayne when it had those kind of those kind of things to uh, to ride when when he was just a little kid. I mean, obviously, he wouldn't change anything because his career turned out rather well. But 
Um, and I do think racing on the dirt and riding on the dirt is a big advantage um, at that age, but it sure would be nice to uh, to have had the chance to do both. I mean, I remember going I, I with with my buddies, we, we'd had like these, I don't know if you remember the Yamaha, but it was like a, a pseudo moped. Um, and we would have those and, and some of my buddies had these like puke mo mopeds and we'd go to San Diego stadium in the parking lot and we'd actually race those things. Um, basically no safety apparel either, by the way, but, um, but, but you, you know, you would hit a, you would hit a foot peg and the rear wheel would lift off the ground and you'd have a big crash. I mean, they just were absolutely not made for that, but that's kind of all we had. So we went with it, but yeah, I mean, I can imagine. I just could imagine being 12, 13 years old or whatever and, and jumping on one of those Ovalis at a go-kart track. I, you just, you'd need a plastic surgeon to remove the smile from your face, but oh well. <laughs> yeah, I remember those Yamahoppers. That's kind of funny. It was called a QT50. It was a 50cc two-stroke engine, but to your point, they may have had folding uh, foot pegs on them, but they had a weird setup where your feet were down below and I could see where you'd you dig them in and lever lever that rear wheel off the ground. I wouldn't think that would be quite the, the the bike to ride. You know, of course, when we got we were a little bit older, but still fairly young. And I still have one that our that YSR fifty was you know a pretty cool little bike. But compared to the Ovali, which you know is very high spec, um, I know a lot of guys started out on YSR fifties on car tracks and stuff. There were still riders, you know, I, around here. I know Gavin Anthony, who raced in our series a couple of years ago or last year, um, raced at uh, this small track around here called Circleville on a YSR 50. And I know they use some of the smaller bikes too, but I would think that those car tracks are now being populated by O'Valley's. And I've seen some video of Josh riding his, Josh Heron. So, man, you and he have got to go out. That would be pretty cool. You got to, and shoot some video of that for us to put up on our social media. I would, that would be fantastic. Yeah, it'd be it'd be a lot of fun. We're definitely going to do that. But I don't think those foot pegs on that Yamaha are folded up, Sean. I think you're right. I think that's what I'm saying. That was a pretty dangerous yeah. little scooter my, to ride around. And, and of course, mine. My dad ported mine, so it was a little quicker. <laughs> and they, but I had it was funny because to make it run the way that he had it set up was basically you had to run the the choke the whole time. But. uh it was yeah mine was mine was a little faster than theirs but it didn't stop me from crashing my brains out all the time but uh yeah the back back to the original talk here the the mini cup's going to be cool um mo tools come on as a sponsor so that's really cool to have a a nice little series like that with with already having a series sponsor um and i think you're going to see more people jump on board with with sponsorship in that class because it's i mean why not you're you're uh get these kids using your product at a young age and sometimes it works out in your favor and they use your product forever. So it makes sense. Yeah. It'll, it'll be interesting to see if we, you know, we'll probably be able to do a little bit of media training with some of these young riders too. I mean, I don't know if we're going to have them have our press conferences with them or not, but we, you know, like last year we had the luncheon with them and they got to meet Wayne and we talked to some of them and, and, you know, it was a chance for them to kind of be in the public a little bit, which will be a first time for some of them. So um, I think, you know, it'll help them not only with their, their writing skills, but their ability to, you know, to speak on camera or speak in front of a mic or on a podium. So, you know, all of it's good for cultivating talent for, for the future for us. So, um, really looking forward to that a lot. Yeah. I mean, you can see, 
I mean, you know, you've been doing it. You've been with Moto America for uh, for most of the time, or at least been at the races for the entire time that we've been doing this. But you could see some of those kids, the way that they progress, not only on the racetrack, but also like in the press conference. And the one that comes to mind to me the most is Ashton Yates. I mean, the first time he was in of there, press, I mean, I was, I felt so bad for the kid. I was trying to help him and you could tell he was just deer in the headlights and, uh, and watching him get better each and every race. Cause he, he was on the podium a lot in that class. And now he's just, you know, he's got it figured out. He's, he does a good job with the social media and he's just matured into, uh, to a nice young lad that uh, that kind of knows what he's doing, so it's it's nice to see those results. I mean, you Brandon Pash, for example. I mean, I remember when he showed up for the first time as a fourteen year old. He was already a pretty polished little speaker, and he had a, a sense of humor that he he's maintained through through where he is today. But uh, they're not all like that. Obviously, some of them struggle a little more than others. But it's nice to see them all have success and and get better at that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty great. So we've got. Um, I just we just did an announcement that uh, the Ridge, uh, our our new event in in Washington on this, the I guess it's semi outskirts of Seattle or at least uh, drivable from Seattle. Um, they've got tickets on sale starting today, so that was our that was our last one to button up. And now um, on our website, we've got uh, tickets available for all of our races. Uh, and we're also, I've got to remind people that uh, the Moto America Live Plus is going to be back for a second year. That was extremely popular. Uh, it's one of my favorite parts of Moto America is the, is the addition of the Moto America Live Plus. Uh, you know, my friends that use it and everything, I get nothing but rave reviews about how well it works. And I know it works well because I use it myself, even at the races that I'm, well, I'm at all of them anyway, but I, I, I have that thing turned on. Um, at my desk in the media center, or you can walk around and kind of know what's going on just right on your phone. Um, so we've got, uh, we've got preseason, uh, sale on that. Uh, so now's a good time to start buying this stuff as we gear up towards the season. And obviously you buy early and you get the best pricing. So yeah, we're, we're getting ready to go here. I mean, it's, it's all coming up rather quickly, but like we talked about a little earlier, these teams will start to, to really make their announcements and we'll find out who that second rider is on the uh on the team hammer suzuki what do you, what what's your feelings on that sean where do you think that's going to end up you know just because J jake lewis was with the team i don't know what his contractual situation is but i know he was paid through yamaha or through suzuki god through suzuki um it's been pretty quiet with him i don't know what's going to happen with him but i just think with bobby fong i mean bobby won that championship he even said, I think at the end of the year, either when he was about to get the championship or after, I think he said he would have been perfectly fine with racing another year in super sport. Um, but I'd heard that maybe, you know, he was keeping his, his uh, aspirations a little lower than they, they should have been maybe. But I don't know. It feels like maybe what he did on that uh, GSXR 600 might have given him enough to move up. But it's But it's tough because, you know, Jake was his teammate last year. So... I don't know. I mean, Team Hammer is going to be interesting. They it sounded like they're having, they're going to have a rider in four riders in four of our five classes. So, um, you know, we'll have to see where everything lands. But you know, my my money possibly is is on Bobby. Although you know, I in I'd like to see see Jake too. It, it's tough. What about what do you think? I don't. I still. I don't know. I still have this outside feeling that. Um, 
that Josh Heron still has an opportunity to do that. Um, I don't know if I, I don't know enough to know whether they're in negotiations or or if that ship has sailed. But the fact that he hasn't announced that he's doing something else leads me to believe that there still might be an opportunity for that. Obviously, if the Heron yeah maybe if the Heron thing doesn't work out, then um, you know I think Bobby Fong's probably um, the most natural choice for those guys. I think Bobby would do a good job, and obviously he's already in the team. Uh, I don't know. You know, and they've also got a Sean Dillon Kelly who's in super sport and could challenge for that championship in his second year. So it's not like they would, uh, if they didn't have Bobby in super sport, it's not like they lose their chances of, of winning that championship. They'd have an, a great chance to do so with, with Sean Dillon Kelly. Um, you know, I don't know, I don't know how much to put into, to Josh's, you know, Oh, what do you think about me riding a Ducati? Oh, what do you think about, I just think he's. I don't know. I think he just throws a lot of stuff out there to see what sticks. Um, all I know is I just hope that kid is in our series because he's, um, you know, his following is such that, you know, I'm, I'm worried that, you know, obviously if he doesn't get a ride, you know how things are, it'll, you know, our fans will, uh, will say it's Moto America's fault and, you know, they'll come and burn down our building or something. So I'd like to prevent that. But, um, yeah, I, uh, somebody's got to have that kid on a bike. He's, uh, he's not only a good rider, but he's obviously a good promoter and, and, uh, he can sell whatever product that team wants him to sell. So he should be in our series and I'm confident that he will be. And, um, if, if he's not, I'm going to go ahead and take whatever we pay you and give him and I'll give him a little bit of what I make and a little bit of what Wayne makes. And then maybe we can just get him set up in our own team. <laughs> Just to prevent us from getting hung on uh, <laughs> you know, I, social I, media. I, I, I honestly can't imagine that he's not going to be in this series in some way. And you're right. That's that second Suzuki ride, possibly. I don't know. Um, but if not them, I think there are probably are several teams that are probably looking at him to see what, you know, if they can get, get him on the team. Cause you know, he's obviously a front runner and you know, it's, he's good for our series in a lot of ways. It's, it's amazing though, Paul, you think about, um, I can't remember what year it was. If it was, the, you can correct me, or you you'd probably know. I think it might have been the first year of Moto America when he raced in Moto Two, and you know that didn't that kind of went south. And he showed up at New Jersey our, our last round, and you know pretty pretty humbled by the whole thing. But he, it was smart for him to be there and kind of walk around the paddock. And the next year, you know, he was back in Moto America, and he built himself up from six hundreds back up to you know through super stock and got back to Superbike again. And it's amazing in a pretty short amount of time and in the, in the lifetime of Moto America thus far, he really reinvented himself and he, he was popular before, but he's way more popular than he was then. And I don't think it's because of what he went through. I think it's because of the skills that he has and the way he communicates with, um, with his fans, which he's kind of always done, but it's, it's a pretty remarkable turnaround for a guy like that, and and he, you know, he certainly deserves to be in, uh, on a superbike again. You know, he, we won last year, and you know, he, he'll he'll be a winner for whoever he rides for. Yeah, he's just got the social media thing figured out. I think he's, um, I think the fans relate to him. Um, you know, he can be a little bit of a hooligan at times, and, I, and they like that. Uh, you know, you you can see you can see him on social media reaching out to to want to play video games with his fans and. I mean, it's just, you know, th there's not many people that, that put in the effort and, and make those things happen like he does. 
and there's not many people that are, you know, comfortable wanting to do it. So he's just kind of got it together and, and he's obviously likes it and he feels comfortable with it and he interacts with everybody really well and he likes to stir the pot and I hate to say he gives no Fs, but there's times when it seems like he just gives no Fs and it works for him. He, he's, yeah, he's, he's 100% got the social media thing figured out. And I think it's only going to help him when he, uh, you know, in situations like this where he's, he's out looking for a ride because obviously anybody who, who, who gets Josh is getting him not only for the fact that he's capable of winning superbike races, but for the other stuff that he brings to the table and social media ranks right at the top of that. So I don't think I can't picture a Moto America championship without him in it at this point. So I'm pretty confident that we're going to have that. Yeah. Um, Hey, I know we're getting towards the end of the podcast here, but I want to throw something out real quick again. I I have another question for you. So we had announced that at the, at Indy this year, we're going to have um, a uh, flat track event with Steve, with Steve Nace productions and uh, which is a great organization. And I got to, you know, I don't know exactly how it's going to work. So I wanted to ask you, is the racing going to be at night? And that's question number one. Number two, can I, can any of our riders in the grid or in the, in the series and any of our classes compete in that? Like you mentioned giving no Fs and hooligans. And it made me think of the hooligans that are going to be racing in that hooligans class at that event. So can there be any crossover yeah, with our I mean, guys? I, I don't see that there would be any problems with that at all. If, you know, obviously it would, you know, it would take somebody like uh, Josh Heron to to want to do the hooligans race. He's done one before. He did the one out here at Huntington Beach. Uh, so him, I would think those kind of opportunities for Josh would be more prevalent if he wasn't on a factory team, um, because obviously they're you know, they might have a little tighter rein on him than what he would have if he had his own team or, or with somebody else's privateer level team. So, but yeah, there's no restrictions on that. I mean, they can, they could do what they want. The, 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 the races themselves are going to be like late evening. Um, they're not, they're, it's not going to run into the darkness. Let's yeah. put it that way. But you know, it's summer so that it stays light later, but uh, yeah, it'll be, it, it 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 sounds to me like it's going to be mm-hmm. like roughly when our when our show starts to wind down, you know, at four four thirty in the afternoon is when they'd pick things up over there. So it'll I think it's a great opportunity for for fans of of Moto America that haven't seen dirt track, and also for dirt track fans that are in the Indy area that want to come and watch a dirt track, and also maybe get the opportunity to see Moto America for the first time. So I think it's a perfect fit. Um, I know I'm looking forward to it. I, that Bull Taco class they have is really cool. That's the photo we used in the in the release, but uh, yeah, yeah. It, it's going to be fun. And and Indy, that I mean, that's just the start of it with Indy. We're gonna have we're gonna have a lot of different events and things going on at that race, and we're really excited to be going back there. Obviously, because it's an amazing facility, and the people are great to work with uh, at the at the speedway. They know what they're doing, obviously, because they've had they have big events every single year. So we're actually proud to be to be part of their events for, for the 2020 season. So it's going to be cool. And Laguna Seca is the same way. I mean, you know, there's no world Superbike there. It's just going to be Moto America and we're going to make a big, uh, motorcycle festival out of it with all kinds of stuff that we've got working in the plans now. And we'll be able to announce those things pretty soon, but there's going to be a lot of things for people to, uh, to see at those two events. So it's going to be cool. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it for sure. It's going to be great, but, uh, we can wrap this up for today and, and uh thanks for joining for joining me 
Uh, I know over the next couple of weeks, we've got some pretty cool guests lined up, including one who's a, uh, actually both of them have won world championships. Um, and uh, both very popular guys, both very popular guys uh, in both in our paddock and, and worldwide. So we've got that coming up over the next couple of weeks. I won't tell you who it is, but uh, we'll let you know as soon as we get it scheduled. But yeah, it'll be cool to have some uh, some different guests on then and, and we can talk more Moto America stuff and and also throw in some other things of what these two individuals are up to. So it'll be very cool. Uh, in the meantime, uh, have a good uh, have a good rest of your week. And uh, we'll talk again next week, Sean. All right, you too, Paul. Thanks. Good to, good to be on with you for this one. Take care.